Thank you for uh, welcoming, me, welcoming me into your midst. Um, so today I'm going to be speaking about um, what I've called the triumphs of the resurrection. Because it is Easter after all. So happy Easter everyone. Um, and I want to start with introduction. He is risen. Praise God. He is risen. Your Messiah, your Redeemer, your Savior, he's alive. Praise God. Um, I just want us to cast our mind back, you know, um, to, that, to that day, to that Resurrection Sunday, to uh, what it must have been like for Mary Magdalene and, you know, the other women who were with her when they went to, um, to the tomb and they saw this angel and, uh, and he gave them this message. He is risen. He's alive. He's not here. Amen. I just think about the emotions they must have felt, you know. Um, I think the first, first of all, there must have been that initial shock, you know. It's not, it's not every day you see an angel, is it? <laughs> on, your way, on your way to, uh, I don't know, to the shop or somewhere. Um, so they had that initial shock. Um, but then I think there must have been hope as well, you know. Um, could this be true? Um, that, you know, their savior was alive? Um, and then there would have been excitement because it's, it's exciting news. It's exciting news. Imagine if you heard the news that somebody you, yeah, you knew, there's, they saw him somewhere. <laughs> you know, like, um, so yes, I think all those would have been playing through their mind um, and like yeah, a bit of you know, disbelief as well. Um, but then he says in, in, the, in the Matthew accounts of that story, that, this, that uh, Matthew 28 verse 8 says that the, the, as the women hurried away from the tomb, they were afraid, yet filled with joy. Now you have to remember what happened, we all know what happened, <laughs> a, few, you know, a few days earlier. Um, the, the horror they witnessed, you know, the, the, how Jesus was arrested, how he was falsely accused, and you know, all the suffering and the agony he went through. They witnessed all that, you know. So there must have been a lot of heaviness in their hearts, you know, um, disappointment, you know. This is, this, this is the person they trusted in, you know, the person they hoped in, and now he's dead. Uh, well, they thought he was dead. Um, so all that grief and pain, um, all that was gone. You know, they said they, they, they went away, they were afraid, because like I said, they were alarmed to have seen an angel. But they said they were afraid and joyful. They had joy as well. Um, and this was just by hearing the news of his resurrection. They hadn't seen Jesus yet, you have to remember at this point. Um, and that happened, you know, a few moments later. The first person to see Jesus was, who, who knows the Bible here? Who was the first person to see Jesus? The first person that he appeared to? Mary, Mary Magdalene. Okay, the one he cast out seven demons from. Um, but she was the first person that saw Jesus. And the full account is told in John 20, uh, verse 14 and, uh, to 18. But in verse 18, it says this, that Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And can you just picture that for a moment? Okay, how she, um, how she, maybe the excitement, you know, in her voice when she was narrating, you know, what happened, you know, the encounter, um, with the disciples. I don't think it was like, hey guys, guess what happened? I just saw Jesus. I just saw the Lord. I don't think it was like that at all. I think there was some intensity, some passion, some, 
you know, like I said, eyes were like probably wide open. Guys, you know, I don't know what you call them. <laughs> Brethren, I don't know. <laughs> Dudes. I've seen, I've seen Jesus. I have seen Jesus. He's alive. He's, you know, you can just imagine the excitement in her voice. You know, so something changed when they encountered Jesus, you know, alive. Um, the disciples were the next to see Jesus. He appeared to them. And uh, this is the account in, um, in Luke chapter 24. Uh, in verse, if you read from verse 36 downwards, but in verse 41, it says this. They could, you know, that because of the joy and, and, and amazement, they could hardly believe, they, you know, it was like, they were like in shock, basically. But, you know, they said they had joy and, and amazement. Uh, so it's the same kind of, you know, situation with them as well. And once again, these were people who were um, <laughs> demoralized. You know, they, they, were, they were dejected. They were, you know, um, depressed even. You know, because if, 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 if the women were, were sad, you know, they were doubly sad because they had abandoned Jesus. You know, they had all run away, you know, when they came to arrest, arrest him. He was alone. He was by himself. I mean, Peter denied him, you know, a few times as well. Uh, but once again, you know, their story changed. And in, in the Luke account, it says they were filled with joy and wonder. Okay, and in John 20, 20, it says that the disciples were over, overjoyed when they saw the Lord. You know, even, even, even Thomas, doubting Thomas, yeah, who said, unless, unless I see the, 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 the scars on his hands and his side, unless I, unless I put my hand there, I'm not, I'm not going to believe. What the way he was when, the, when he first appeared. But even him had an encounter with Christ as well, because Jesus appeared again, and, um, and the account is told in John 20, verse 26 to 29. And I'm going to read that because that's something I want to bring out there. It says, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and, Th and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Amen. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us. <laughs> We're in that category. Praise God. We haven't seen Jesus, you know, well, physically. Maybe somebody may have. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't. But we are among those who have not seen, praise God, and yet have believed that he is risen, that he is alive. Praise God. Um, so, so the resurrection changed the story for those disciples um, and the early church. Um, and it continues to change, you know, the stories of um, people around the world, even today. And it will continue to do so. In Jesus' name. So today we're going to be looking at just some of the triumphs, like I said, of the resurrection. You know, I'm going to look at specifically three reasons we have to celebrate and rejoice. Okay? So the first one I've got here is that his resurrection gives us unquenchable hope. His resurrection gives us unquenchable hope. Uh, and we're going to look at uh, a scripture in 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Is that on the screen? Fantastic. It says, Praise be to the Lord, sorry, to God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. We have a living hope because or through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Not a dead hope. <laughs> Not a, you know, a hope that is, you know, kind of fading or it's a living hope. Praise God. 
And I was reminded of this song when I was reading this verse. If you permit me, I'd like to uh, sing and you can join me. You know, it's just the chorus. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Amen. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Amen. Because I know he holds the future. Yes. And life is worth a living just because he lives. Amen. Amen. That's our testimony. That's the testimony of anyone who's put their faith in Jesus. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow. So the same Jesus, you know, um, the same Jesus that walked the shores of Galilee, the same Jesus that um, the Bible says was manifested to destroy the works of the devil, the same Jesus that the Bible says went about doing good and healing those, you know, under the oppression of the devil, the same Jesus that the Bible says um, that came from the Father full of grace, and truth, the same Jesus that says his grace is sufficient for us, the same Jesus that says, I am the bread of life, the same Jesus that says, I am I'm the one who gives you living water, the same Jesus that says, I am the good shepherd, the same Jesus who said he came to seek and save the lost, the same Jesus that calmed the storm with one command, the same Jesus that turned water into wine, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. That same Jesus is alive. Yeah. Praise God. You know, and most more, he lives in you and in me. And we live in him too, by his spirit. We look at some wonderful promises in, in the book of Hebrew. Um, Hebrews 13, verse 5. Now, I've been told, Pastor Gina shared a message on this a while ago. And she said that in the original text, that verse says this. Um, if you render it the way it's written. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Never, never will I leave you. Never, never, never life forsake you. That's the way it's written in the original text. That's the promise that Jesus gives, you know, to all who belong. He says, never, I will never, never leave you. No matter what, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And then Hebrews 13 verse 8 reminds us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So people in the world today, they, you know, they put or they anchor their hopes in all sorts of things, um, some in, the, in, their, in the money in their bank accounts, in the investments they've got, you know, the property, or you know, or, or their family connections, you know, or you know, some business deals or something, you know, some people put their hopes, in, you know, in the government, you know, in science, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's what people do because they don't have anything else. But for us as believers, we have. You know, we should put our hope in nothing less than in Jesus Christ. Praise God. I mean, you just have to listen to the news. <laughs> you know? um, and then, you know, you'll be, find that those things are really shaky ground. Those things are shifting sand. But we need to put our hope in the one who says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're going to read this verse in Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, and it's in verses 19 and 20. It says this, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where, the, where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So naturally, when a, when a sheep anchors, yeah, when a sheep throws down, it goes downwards, doesn't it? Towards the earth. Um, but our, as believers, our, our, our anchor, our hope anchor goes upwards 
you know, towards heaven, you know, where our risen Savior is. Hallelujah. Um, and then listen to further what he says in Hebrews 7, 24 uh, to 26, regarding Jesus being a high priest. I think it's on the screen. Yes, lovely. Because, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, so we have this high priest, the Bible says, you know, it says he lives forever. <laughs> Amen. He has a permanent priesthood and is always interceding for you and for me. You know, so that's, that's wonderful news. That's, that's great news. And it says that this high priest truly meets our need. It doesn't say he meets our needs. It says he meets our need. And what is our greatest need? Salvation. Salvation. You know, to have our sins forgiven, you know, and to be reconciled, you know, with our maker. You know, to have peace with God. And he meets that need. Um, through his resurrection, his death, burial, and resurrection. Romans 4 verse 25 says this. He was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life. Raised to life for our justification. So as far as God is concerned, the payment for our sins, past, present, and future, has been fully paid, has been fully met uh, by Jesus on the cross. And his resurrection is the confirmation that that transaction was successful. You know, his, his, his resurrection was like the receipt for the payment of our sin debt. And that's why Paul wrote in uh, um, 1 Corinthians 15, 17. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. You know, our faith would be futile if Christ was still in the grave, you know, uh, because he would be a dead savior, you know, and a dead savior, a dead savior, a dead man can't save anyone. Um, but thanks be to God that, that Christ is risen and the payment for our sins, every, every shameful act, every selfish deed, every impure thought, was paid in full, and in Jesus and him alone, we have full redemption. Hallelujah. Amen. So the question is this, if Christ has met our greatest need, will he not also meet our lesser needs? They are important, of course they are, but he has met the greatest need, and Romans 8.32 gives us a resounding yes. Okay, and that says, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? This word is for all of us today. You know, I don't know what need you may have. I don't know what situation you know you may be facing, you know. But if Jesus could rise from the dead, I'm telling you, there is nothing that God cannot do. You know, if God could raise Jesus from the dead, there is no situation that he cannot turn around, no disappointment, he cannot, you know, completely, you know, change you know, and bring a testimony out of it. Hallelujah. So I just want us to believe that, that he's working all things together for our good right now because he's our risen Savior. Amen. Okay, keeping an eye on that clock. <laughs> uh, uh, number two, the other reason we have to rejoice is that death no longer has the final answer. Jesus does. Praise God. So Jesus defeated death on our behalf. You know, we've been singing that, you know, uh, just, just now. Um, because if Jesus had not beaten death, 
uh, if he hadn't come out of that grave, then he would not be Lord of all. You know, death would have the last word and uh, ultimate dominion. And if that were the case, 1 Corinthians 15, 18 and 19 says this, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only in this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people, we are of all people most to be pitied. So that means that any one of our loved ones who's passed away, who's passed on, you know, be it our uh, child or, you know, uh, spouse or our sibling or a parent, you know, that means, you know, if they if die, that's it. That's, no, that's the end, you know, forever and ever. It's, it's, all, it's all over. But praise God that Jesus Christ rose from the, from the tomb, you know, so there is life beyond death, you know, for those who believe in him. Uh, death does not have dominion. Uh, I think Sandy read this earlier. It's uh, Revelation 1, verse 18, okay? And it says this. That's Jesus talking to, uh, to John. Um, I am the living one. I was dead, and look, I am alive forever and ever. Amen. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Um, so Jesus broke through the, uh, the, the, the shackles, the chains, and the iron bars of death. Okay? But not just that, he took the keys as well. <laughs> Hallelujah. So now he's got absolute authority, you know, over the dead, over absolute control and mastery over death, and he can release his people from death and Hades. Now, even before Jesus died, okay, you know, while he was still on his earthly ministry, he did bring people back from the dead, didn't he? You know, he, um, he resurrected a few people, you know, including Lazarus. Um, it's a very, very common story in the Bible, um, who was the brother of Mary and Martha, who were his friends. And, um, yeah, he raised those people from the dead. But they all died again, didn't they? They all, you know, they didn't have eternal life. They died afterwards, okay? So he, he had, you know, he had raised them from the dead, but he hadn't totally conquered death. And there was a reason for that, okay, which we're going to look at in a moment. Um, but when he, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he, before he did, actually, he says in, in uh, John 11, verse 25, he was speaking to uh, Martha, I believe it was, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So this is what he told to, um, to Martha. And then he went ahead and raised Lazarus from the dead. So what he was doing then was he was performing what is, what is called a sign. Okay? It's a sign to show that um, what I'm saying, I'm backing it up. Okay? By bringing somebody from the dead. And that's not the only sign he performed. For instance, when he said, I am the bread of life. That was after he fed 5,000, you know, with five loaves and two, uh, two fishes, you know, to prove that I am the bread of life. So it was a sign, it was a miracle that pointed to his, well, to his you know, divinity, to who he was, who he said he was. Another sign, there was a, a man that was born blind and he healed him by spitting and making saliva and putting it in his eyes. He healed him and then he said, I am the light of the world. So it was a sign. So what he did when he raised Razor from the dead was saying, look, I'm backing up what I'm saying by performing a miracle that proves that I can do it. Okay? But when Jesus died, when Jesus actually died, then he, um, when he overcame death, he did it in order to become the first fruits of those who die in him. 
you know, those who the Bible will see have fallen asleep. <coughs> Colossians 1 verse 18 puts it this way. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. So he was paving the way. He was, he was like, I'm the first fruits. I'm the one who's going to die and overcome death. You are going to follow suit after me, all who believe in me. Uh, it says in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22 and 23, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, and then when he comes, those who belong to him. So his resurrection was the first fruits of resurrection, of, 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 well, of, the, of resurrection, if you like, the first grape on the vine, the first fig on the, on the, on the tree, Okay, the first sign that something new is coming. Uh, and since you and I belong to him, we have the promise as well, his promise, that we'll be made just alive, just as he was. Uh, he did it first, but when it's our time, we'll follow after him. We'll be raised to life. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Um, and what will our resurrection look like? Paul tells us in First uh, Corinthians 15, verse 42 to 44. He said, So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. Our bodies are perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Okay? So in Christ, we're going to experience this. We're going to all experience this if we, you know, believe in Jesus. That's what he says. That's why he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Um, in a way, we have all experienced resurrection in a sense, if you put your faith in Jesus. Uh, because it says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, yeah? The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So in a sense, we have experienced um, um, resurrection. But there is an ultimate resurrection coming, okay? When our immortal, imperishable body will be given to us. Amen. Um, there's a lengthy passage here. I don't know if I have time to read this. Uh, let's skip this. I'm just going to read it. Right. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 15, from verses 51 to 55. It says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the, perishable, with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the same will be, that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed in, up in victory. Where is your, where is your, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Hallelujah. So this is something we all have to look forward to. Praise God if we have believed in Jesus. Not just us, but our loved ones as well. Anybody who has put their faith in Jesus. There will come a time when this perishable, you know, this honorable body, you know, will be changed. Praise God. The Bible says in the twinkle of an eye, you know, and we will all receive our new immortal, imperishable bodies. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. So that's something to be joyful about, isn't it? <laughs> um, 
And the last one, I've got 11 minutes. Okay, God help me. Um, that resurrection power is available for us today. That's the last point. And we're going to read Ephesians 1, 18 to 21. Fantastic. And this is Paul praying for the Ephesians. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but in the one to come. Amen. So Paul was praying for the Ephesian church here, for the believers here, that they may have a revelation of the calling of God upon their lives. Uh, So that was the first thing, that they will know or understand their spiritual heritage. And then he mentions this, this part. He says, there is an exceedingly great supernatural power that is available, he says, you know, in that verse there, for us who believe. And he says, it's the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Now, you know, that, that thing is mind-blowing when you think about it. You mean the same power that, you know, caused an earthquake, you know, to happen and, you know, split the grave and, and, and raised Jesus from the dead. You see, that same power is available to you and me, you know. It, it's something like, you know, you're trying to get your head around, it's like, really? <laughs> um, but that's why Paul was praying for, the revela- you know, for that revelation, you know, to come upon this, um, this body of uh, believers. And we need that revelation as well, don't we? Uh, because, you see, what happened was that when, because of the resurrection of Jesus, we have become like spiritual live wires. Yeah? You know your electrical system? Somebody here, here? You know you've got uh, your neutral and uh, your earth cable, and then you've got the live wire. We are like the live wire, okay? <laughs> um, because we are connected to, you know, to Jesus. Uh, it says in Colossians 1 verse 13, we have been raised with Christ. Uh, Ephesians 2, 5, and 6 said that God made us alive with Christ, you know, while we are dead in our sins, and he raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. So the life that is in Christ is the life that is in us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So we are one with him in spirit. In, in John 15, Jesus was talking about our union with himself. It's a very popular um, portion of scripture. And he says, you are the vine. Sorry, I am the vine, <laughs> not you. <laughs> I am the vine, you are the branches. Okay, so the same um, sap that goes through this, uh, the, the vine comes through to the, uh, to the branches and that enables them to bear fruit, you know, spiritual fruit, which is to the Father's glory. So um, that's one way of looking at that connection. But there's another sense that we are connected with, you know, our connection to him is like for the transmission of power, okay? Like being connected to a power source, like the main switch, or become the conduit for his power to flow. First uh, Corinthians 15.45 says, So it is written, the first Adam became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. So Jesus is the last Adam, okay, a life-giving spirit, because he, he revised what is dead, okay? Uh, similar to how you can jumpstart a, um, a car with a flat battery, yeah? You know, you put some jump leads there and you, rest- you revive it, you restart it, okay? So Jesus has 
jump-started our hearts, you know, our spirits rather, and we are now spiritually alive or we're regenerated. But that's not meant to be a one-off activity, you see, <laughs> okay? You know, as believers, we are meant to be constantly powered by his resurrection life, you know, constantly energized, or, you know, receiving power from him. And John 1, sorry, Acts 1 verse 8, he told his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And in the next chapter, in Acts chapter 2, you know, that promise was fulfilled, wasn't it? On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down, the Bible says, like a mighty rushing wind, and fell on the disciples. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in new tongues as the Spirit enabled them. But was it, the, was it a one-off experience for them? Was it something that happened once, the filling of the Holy Spirit? No. You know, you read the book of Acts and throughout, you know, the book of Acts, you know, disciples were filled and filled and filled again and again and again, you know, and they kept, you know, getting filled. And the power of God was manifesting, you know, regularly in their midst. You know, they did some, there were some amazing miracles, um, you know, that happened. Signs and wonders and, you know, cripples walking, dead people being raised to life, sick people healed, demons cast out. You know, it was as if Jesus was still alive. And he was. <laughs> and he is. Praise God. You know, and he is today uh, in you and me. Um, so Ephesians 5.18 says that we need to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, it says, you know, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled and be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's our responsibility to be filled with the Spirit, to be filled with the Word of God. Um, John 15.7 says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, as you teach and admonish one another. So, so God has given us this power, this resurrection power. It says it's for, available for all who believe. It's not for some special sense, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, something for, for the, you know, that happened years ago. It's, you know, even today it's still there. That resurrection power is available for um, every believer, for you and I today. Uh, we need to believe God's word and to act on it. And the last verse I've got to read for us is this. Um, wow, five minutes. For since death, sorry, 1 Corinthians 15, 21 to 22. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So if we were in Adam, guys, all that pertains to Adam will be will be ours. Sin, judgment, death. But thanks to God, thanks be to God that when we put our faith, praise God, the second Adam, or the last Adam as the Bible calls it, you know, when we put our faith in him, then all that pertains to him pertains to us as well. You know, and that's salvation. That's righteousness. His righteousness. That's wholeness. Praise God. That's a resurrection power. That's eternal life. That's healing. Amen. Praise God. Fullness of joy. Praise God. So guys, that's really, um, my time is almost up. I've got uh, less than four minutes here. Um, and I thought it would be good for us to maybe just maybe pray. Yeah? Um, I don't know what need we may have. I don't know what situation we are going through. But I believe that the resurrected one, our Savior, our risen Savior, the Bible says that where two or three are gathered in his name, he's right there. I don't know what, it need, what need it is. You know, it might be a healing that you need in your body. I don't know what it is. A situation you are going through. Jesus is here. And he's able to meet that need. 
So shall we just pray? Thank you, Father. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be here together in your name on, uh, on Easter, on Resurrection Sunday. Lord, we remember, hallelujah, how you rose from the dead. Hallelujah. And how you are alive forevermore. And you live in us. My Savior, I pray, Lord, for everyone here today at the sound of my voice. I don't know what their story is. I don't know what, they, what need they need in that. What you know, Lord. You know. My Savior, I pray that, Lord, you will do, hallelujah, what only you can do. In your name, Jesus. In your name, Jesus. I'm speaking to every situation right now. I'm praying, Lord, hallelujah, for your power, your power, Jesus, to turn every situation, you know, you know, in the hearts, in the lives of your people. Lord, if it's that, you know, child, you know, that's gone astray, you know, if it's that home that it's, it's in danger of being, you know, broken apart, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that your power, your power, Lord Jesus, we change that situation right now. In your name, I pray. Lord, if it's, if it's somebody had, um, somebody was, I was speaking to someone about um, someone who had uh, bowel cancer. I think it was. I don't want to mention their name. Okay. But I just pray, Lord, for that situation right now. My Lord, in your name, Jesus, I speak against that cancer. I command it to die. I command it to be gone. In Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray, my Savior, Lord, this is a business that needs revival. Ha! My Lord, let your power change that situation around. Lord, whatever it is your people are going through, I just thank you for a release of your power right now. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.